Angabaloa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Yes, I did. Pinch yourself. I promise you, you're not dreaming. A week after the national championship, Alabama won 26-23 over Georgia and a miraculous finish. Unbelievable. Tua Tango Vailoa comes in, wins the game for Alabama, and Nick Saban's gutsiest coaching call of all time. Brick and I have so much to talk about this game. We've never been more excited about a podcast than this episode. We hope you stick with us. We've had some mic issues, but we have an episode for you that you're not going to want to miss. This is year three, episode 24 of Pat's Interference. Woo! What is good, everybody? Alabama is your 2017 national champions. What a championship. What a game. What a season. And what a coaching effort. What a comeback. What a quarterback performance. What a defensive performance. My, oh, my. I'm still on a high. And it's been a week since then. 26-23 over Georgia, Alabama. 17th national championship. Won it in 2017. I just can't get over it. But we got to do the podcast. We got to recap this bad boy. I'm excited. My name's Patrick Brickman. I'm Patrick Nord. Brick, I'm still in shock. I, I still can't believe how the game went, what happened, the conversations you and I had during the game and then after the game subsequently. It was just it, the whole night seems like a dream. It doesn't even seem it, real yet. I, I don't think it's hit me yet. Um, it, it really – no, seriously, every single day it's just kind of – it is sinking in, and I'm telling you, I mean, we're sitting here. It's uh, it's been a week. It's Sunday afternoon. Yeah. By the time we upload this tomorrow, it'll have been a week. The the next day, it really did. It, it was one of those pinch me moments, really. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I I mean, it's just uh, everything from from Tua coming in to the play of the defense to uh, Andy Papanasis, just so many highs and lows of this game. Um, you know, it's the uh, first thing. Where were you watching? Where were you in this game? was going on well this is probably you know you and I talk all the time about how we're going to tell our kids about this dynasty one day I have a feeling that this is going to be the game where our kids say where were you yeah what, what you know tell me tell me what was that like and so I'm not gonna I'm not ever gonna forget I was at uh I was at that Cajun place here in Panama City and I was with uh my wife and then one other Georgia fan who was our morning reporter she's a Georgia grad doesn't know too much about football but was having fun with us she left at halftime so um I blame her team's loss on her, maybe. No, but it was great, uh, great venue. We watched the Super Bowl there this past year, so this is the second championship game with a Georgia collapse that I've watched at the same place. So if Alabama wow. ever plays Georgia there again, I know where I'm watching it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. No, I was uh, I was at my apartment. I did not throw a big party like I did last year for the Clemson National Championship. Nope, you learned your lesson. I, I did. Uh, I had the lovely Jade Stoner and my – Two uh, emotional supporters, uh, Kevin and John, were also with me. Uh, they're very great about keeping me balanced and keeping things light and positive, which is nice. Uh, hey, you know who was the OG with that, though? It that was, was me. you. It was you. It was me. It was absolutely Actually, you. before that, it was probably your, your dad or Rob. Yeah. Uh, not Rob. Never Rob. <laughs> Never Rob. <laughs> Don't count on Rob for emotional stability. That's just not. Love him, but it's not a good idea. Uh, he keeps you stable in your own way, though. Yes, and he was uh, the teacher of my celebrations. Because I remember when we beat LSU in overtime in 2008 on Rashad Johnson's interception in the back of the end zone, if you'll recall. I remember that one, yeah. Uh, he ran out of the house. 
He left the house and just started running around the neighborhood, which I thought was an interesting reaction. And I, I did that after I did that after um, Yeldon scored the game winner against LSU. Sure, as we all went out and at University Village and just started hugging strangers. Sure, so, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's yeah. A, and then I I remember thinking then like that's pretty weird. And then we won the national championship, and I got my Alabama flag draped it around myself like I was an Olympic hundred meter gold medalist. And ran around the apartment complex screaming. My neighbors weren't happy. My dog definitely wasn't happy. Um, but Alabama wins 26-23. Um, you know, uh, now, there were no Georgia fans where you watched the game. No. No, 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 no. Oh, there were lots of Georgia fans where we were. That must have been absolute bliss. It, by the time the game was coming to a close, it was about even at the beginning. Uh, but as you'll recall, and uh, we'll get into it in a minute, and if you haven't seen the game, which there's no way you haven't if you're listening to this, Alabama was, was losing for 100% of this game. Yes. Uh, well, not 100%, but 99%. From, the moment, from the moment they were down 3 nothing, they never led in the game. So it was about 50-50 at the kickoff. It was about 70-30 Georgia fans where I was toward the end, so that just made it all a bit sweeter. But let's recap that game, man. It was uh, It was... Yeah, it was something. I know. I know that you have had trouble even thinking about the first half. I I don't know if I'll ever go back and watch the first half again. I know that you say you can because you're kind of used. It's all part of the story. I I get it. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's all part of the story. The adversity, the resilience. That's what I'm going to remember this team for. So you can't have that without this. Sure. You know. So Alabama comes out. uh, You know. Um, Tony Brown with the interception to start the game off Jake Fromm. Georgia comes out yeah. with a, you know what, third play of the game. Yes, very pass heavy, uh, very pass heavy offense. Um, even with the interception, I, I still didn't feel like oh boy, here we go, we're going to drum them. You know because they no, he just made a great play. On yes, the they were they were moving the ball. You know not well, but it looked like they had a game plan and they were sticking to it. And it was you know they were a draw to pass away from really really giving it to us right from the jump and putting us on our heels. Uh, we we get the ball. Hurts with an okay run. Um, you know, it's uh, the thing that I always remember from that first quarter is the overthrown ball to Calvin Ridley in the corner of the end zone. You know, that was that was our worst, as bad as it got, and all the third down conversions we gave up and all that. Still, to to come away with with what what uh, uh, an interception on our third play, right? Um, uh, to miss a wide open touchdown, to follow that up with a made field goal, but a false start, to follow that up with a missed field goal. I mean, you just could tell that something – that takes a lot of wind out of your sails, man. Just three different times in your first drive and a huge – what's going to be an obviously defensive struggle to leave points on the field three times like that. Three times, yeah. And that was, three times. That was painful. Um, you know, we didn't know how bad it was going to get, but uh, the kicking woes were just awful. I mean, as soon as Papanastas enters the field of play – my heart just kind of sinks, and that's some serious foreshadowing there. Um, but his first his first kick isn't even close. Um, now, obviously, Alabama does make one, but there's an offsides call or a false start, and then they've got to push it back, and then he's not even close. And Georgia got a whole full steam of a momentum from that. Fromm found his rhythm. Riley Ridley, Calvin Ridley's little brother, Stepped up in a huge way. Did you know that he's Calvin Ridley's little brother? I I I think it was mentioned a good six or seven hundred thousand times. Yeah, on the broadcast. Did you know that uh, that both quarterbacks at the end of the game were true freshmen? I not to spoiler alert. I did not. Did you know that both teams were from the SEC? 
All right, both, Riley Ridley. Yeah, you SEC. mentioned him. He 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 uh he had himself a little first half there. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Um, you know, I think he's got a lot of promise. I remember the day that he committed to Georgia. You texted me and you said, "Man, it would have been really great to get him." But how can you blame him? You know. How can you blame him? He's he's been in Calvin Ridley's shadow. I mean, his name was Caven at first. Uh, you can't no. You you can't go where the big bro is going. You got to make your own way. So, uh, well, well, we might make make an exception with the tongue of Iloa brothers. Uh, maybe. I, I would like I would like to see that. But okay, so you got you got the us missing points on the first drive. Uh, Georgia they hit two field goals and they score right before the half. So you take that. Uh, the, the, the the our our defensive woes was was them being able to convert seven of eight third downs in a row. Yes. Put that all in a big melting pot. Mix it together. Yeah, and it was a thirteen nothing lead at halftime. Yeah, uh, their kicker who could kick it back to Athens if he needed to was unbelievable. Um, Man, between him and John Carlson at Auburn, my I hate to word, bring up Carlson. No, no, you're we right. Had some, we played some good kickers this year. Man. Yeah, two of probably the best, I'd say. Um, you know, minus the Aguayo brothers, of course. Uh, but you know, the first half flew by too. That's another thing about the first half is. As much as the rest of the game seemed to just never end, the first half, I, I don't remember a lot of it just because of how quickly the game was being played. Uh, Jalen Hurts looked scared, like a deer in the headlights any time there was a blitz, um, which was my big critique of him all year, is if there is someone blitzing, he folds. He completely folds. Um, and we saw more of that in this game. Oh, it was, it was, it was completely magnified in this game because – here, here, and, and, and Georgia's defense came out with the perfect game plan. They saw what Clemson did to us last year. They saw what Florida did to us uh, for the most part in the SEC championship, Washington, um, and then this year they saw what Auburn did to us. And and that's just if he's not throwing to a wide open receiver, he's not trying it within past or past twelve yards. He's just no. not. No. So if you can cover them deep, you can put enough pressure on him. I mean, they were playing one on one coverage on us and just making sure. Not to let him get beyond 12 yards, because that then all you can do is if you get pressure, the first thing he does is, you know, get tunnel vision, and then he tries to scramble and he he, he runs toward the sideline, and then there you go. Yeah. And, and if he can't complete a simple third and four, third and five, that's what they're doing. They let us run on first and second down, and then on third we had to throw, and that was the problem. That's you know at halftime, you call you called me first. I was actually standing up to go call you. It was as um. Mikael Hardman scored the touchdown. We didn't even wait for the half to end. No, I start my phone starts buzzing, and we asked. We were mad, and we had our normal overreactions. But then we kind of settled down, and you asked me, you know, what does if we're going to come back and win this, what has to happen? Right. Does Tua need to come in? And then we both went, Nah. No. No way. We can't do. But that. in our defense, I mean, <laughs> that's unbelievably ballsy. I mean, we're going to talk about that later after we get done talking about the game. But to even consider putting in a true freshman in the biggest game of his career after the biggest snaps and most competitive snaps he took this season were against the Vanderbilt Commodores, ugh, it's, that's rough. It is, but what we, both, and what we both said, what we both realized and talked about was, you know, you and, especially you, but both of us, you know, we love our running game. Right. We love running. We love just saying, hey, stick to the run. But it became evident that the run wasn't going to work if we couldn't even threaten to throw the ball more than six yards at a time. No, I, mean, I, if we I, can't complete a simple eight, nine-yard pass, 
not going to happen. I agree with you there. Uh, I just I, I wasn't a fan of when the ball was being run well. We got away from that, even when Tua was in the game. It just, it, you know, I, I you tell baseball pitchers all the time if there's a pitch that's working, you go with it till they prove that they can hit it. Right? You just keep going there. Go back to the well. Go back to the well. Go back to the well. You know, Alabama was playing towards the end of the first half like they were down by 30. And it felt that way. Don't get me wrong. But a quick Damian Harris 40-yard touchdown, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but remember, he started out back-to-back games this season with 70-plus yard scores. So it's not all that out of the ordinary. But you're one. Well, no, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. You were one play like that away from this being a six-point ball game. I'm just not sure that there was going to be a play because they were keying in on our run. And we were still tested because we knew we couldn't, so we had to run it. And I don't think that the mix was bad. I do think maybe we could have tried to throw on first down and then run the next two downs or something like that. Uh, you're right that we were it was, it was run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, halftime. You know, after that first drive where we did mix it up a little bit and we ran it when we should and we passed it when we should and then we just missed the wide open pass. But it just became the, their offense was moving the ball Ours weren't. They were passing and getting first downs on third down, and we just had no shot at it. I mean, it was obvious on, on if it was third and five, right? So say we go two-yard run, three-yard run, third and five, we got a throw. They had so much confidence they could blitz six, you know, rush six, cover us short, don't let us get behind them, and Hertz was going to tuck it and try to run. They could tackle us. Sure. And that's what we knew is if we couldn't, or I knew, that we couldn't even threaten to hit them with the 10, 12, 15, 20-yard pass, if that wasn't even in, you know, the realm of possibility, they weren't going to respect anything we could do, and we were just going to keep punting all night and hope for a 40-yard run. And we could hope that Damian Harris did something amazing. But without being able to throw, it's a whole lot harder for him to do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look at Najee Harris toward the end of the game. He busted off a bunch of long runs because they couldn't put seven in the box anymore. Yeah. Or eight in the box. For sure. No, I. Anyway, like I said, I'm fine with the pass plays. I just, it's a rhythm thing. It's a rhythm thing, and I think that that's something that's always bothered me about this season. But luckily, we won't have to worry about it next season. Anyway, uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, come out second half, and I text you. Oh my god, we just gave up. You did. We just gave up because that's how it I felt. Didn't buy it. That's how I it felt to it. me. Um, I just I. It felt like our coaching staff gave up on the guy who got us there, right? And maybe for good reason. Obviously, for good reason, it worked. But, you know, to me, it just felt like, ah, crap. Here, well, now, here we go. now I think it probably feels more like, no, they weren't. And it did. At the time, it felt like they were giving up on Hurts, and I, I believe that, too, at the time. But now it all honestly feels a little bit more like, no, they just believed in the guy behind him. Yeah. They just, you know, we've beat, we've been able to beat the team – running the ball like that, but Georgia's run defense was proving to be a little too strong, uh, you know, if our defense wasn't able to stop Georgia's offense. Yeah. It was the same thing against Clemson. Our defense just was playing better that night. Yeah. And if our defense played like they did against Clemson, I don't think Jalen would have come out of that game. But with the fact that Georgia looked like they're going to put up one or two or three more touchdowns on us, we needed to be able to keep up with that pace. Well, and it's tough to play the way you did against Clemson when you don't have a month to prepare for somebody. Right. True. Right, let's let's chalk up a lot to that in the preparation of Jeremy Pruitt. Um, but Alabama goes three and out in the first possession with Tua, and I'm I'm starting to get nervous. Uh, they immediately get the ball back. 
There's three complete passes to Henry Ruggs, and then Alabama's only down six. Well, let's not mention that there was perhaps this, probably in my opinion, the second biggest play of this game right at the beginning of that drive. We get to a third and seven. To was we still haven't gotten a first down in you know a, a year at this point. I mean, it, <laughs> it feels like a century since we've had. It feels like we haven't had a first down since the Clemson game, essentially at this point. Right. Um. Maybe even before then. So. You know, it's still like, uh, and you know, we had the three and out before we get to another third and seven. We're like, oh my gosh, uh, Tua drops back. He's flushed. Nobody's there. We're like, oh my gosh, he's about to get sacked again, punting again. And then he spins out of it and goes for 11. And it was like, all right. I mean, everybody, I'm sure every Alabama fan kind of felt it. Like, all right, that could, that could be a shift. You saw the offensive players after that play. Just, it almost felt like a big sigh of relief just to see the, the freshman put the team on his back for just a play there. And go, all right, guys, we're fine. We can. Do I this. did not believe in Tua until that play. I had no reason to. Up into that no, play, all we all we had was seventeen point leads at Vanderbilt. Yes. on our on our. Uh, I did not believe you know, in list of them, and I feel like happened. a lot of people would probably say that. So, we go down. Cautiously optimistic is where I was. Uh, I would, yeah, I would say I, I was just more impressed. I was like, oh, sh- okay, he really wants. It reminded me when Coker put his shoulder down against Texas A and M. You know, and then I think this next the the succeeding plays of that were insanely important, not because it led to a touchdown, but because it got Tua into the rhythm he needed. I mean, after the first down run he had, pass, 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 touchdown. Yeah, and yeah, we might not love that, but I think he needed that. Yes, uh, great pass to Rugs um, on all three of the completions, especially the touchdown pass. But Especially the touchdown pass. It happened so quickly that it was like, oh, shoot. Okay, we've got a lot of time left in this game. Then here comes Georgia. Jake Fromm launches a bomb down the sideline. 80 yards, touchdown. At that point, however, I wasn't really feeling that worried. Um, yeah, I think I think we're both kind of like, all right. Yeah, freak plays like, like that are going to happen. Shootout, yes, you know? and I think you texted something along the lines of, I went back and read it, you texted something along the lines of, maybe it was Kyle Man, really wish we could get some home run plays like that. Or maybe it was somebody else. Somebody texted me that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I wish we could get that. I didn't think there was any way we could. Um, but Tony Brown, Tony Brown, though, man, he giveth and he taketh away. That is, thus is the career of Crazy Tony. Yes, Crazy Tony. The craziest of Tonys. Uh, next drive, it's starting to look really bad. Tua throws a very bad-looking pick. The true freshman you, you mistakes know, you know, are coming out. You know what out. Saban said, right? Yes. This specific interception, and it was funny in the press conference. Somebody asked about that and getting the you know the freshman mistakes, and he he brought up the interception and going, well, we called a run play, and uh, which I'm I'm sure you'll be glad to know that it was at least called a run play. He thought it was a pass. He rolls out. All of his targets are blocking. And he throws it anyway, and he's laughing and kind of smirking at him the whole time. He goes, "I hope we learned our lesson there, though, didn't we?" Yeah, it was. It was funny now in hindsight, but yeah. And then that, you know, ESPN keeps tab of uh, of the percent chance of winning. You know, the kickoff, it's whatever. At that point, was our lowest, right? We're down thirteen points again. Um, Georgia just got a bomb touchdown. We throw an interception and we plummet to six percent, seven percent. That's as bad as it got for us, but. This is my shining moment. You and um, you and Kyle, who we've talked about on the podcast, were in a group text. Sure. Uh, you text something like, that'll do it. Kyle says, 
Well, good season. Glad to see Tua can come in. Hope to see more from him next year. I say, nah, guys, we're getting a turnover here. And credit my emotional advisor, Kevin Burke, who said, Kevin, yes. Who said, and I quote, no, I've seen too many big games from Alabama. Because he went to Virginia Tech. So he was uh, actually the balcony below us at the 2013 game, your Vicodin game. Where can't believe he didn't come say hi to us. I know. We didn't know what a yet. jerk. Uh, he was in their drum line and literally has pictures where we were up on the balcony above where he was sitting. Um, but anyway, he's like, you I had no idea he was in the presence of Laura Tab Patrick. No, it was Laura Tab. It wasn't Vicodin. My apologies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was bad. It, I mean, it was it was something that I was feeling was awful in a word. I was feeling horrible and. He said, I've seen too many Alabama games to not think that you guys are going to get an interception, go down the field, and score. What happened the very next play? Uh, Deshaun Hand's helmet, the player of the game. Uh, Defensive player of the game, Deshaun Hand's helmet? Goes off his uh, helmet. helmet needs to go in the Bryant Museum. Believe, believe Raekwon Davis uh, comes up with the pick, runs it. Yeah, he has like 10-foot arms. Yes, runs it to about midfield. Um, and then there's a field goal. I don't know how... Andy Papanastas kicked a 43-yard field goal in this football game. That is going to be a trivia question one day that a lot of people are going to get wrong. Yeah, I could see that. But because um, he he hits a 43-yarder, which uh, a bomb is a good is a good bit shorter than or a good bit longer than the than the uh, the, old the chip the shot last kick of his career. Sure, but we'll get into that a little bit later. And it's now 20 to 10. Yeah. Now we're starting the fourth quarter. This is where the fourth quarter starts. And I remember looking at the clock right after that field going, going, oh, crap. Yeah, that's great, but weird. Man, we're running out of time here. We really are. I will say are. this. I, didn't, I wasn't at work. I, I got off to watch the game. So, um, so uh, my reporter was anchoring the show, and I, got, I went in Tuesday. And uh, the, one of the rules with broadcasting for a local station is you're not allowed to show the game, right, highlights of the game, until the broadcast is complete. So in our 10 o'clock show, the game was still going on. She couldn't show any highlights. You have to run just a full screen of the score. So her full screen the next day when I walk in says, fourth quarter, Georgia 20, Alabama 10. And just seeing that was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. No, it was, <laughs> oh, this is it was awesome. very surreal. Uh, fourth quarter starts. Uh, Tua goes down the field, and we uh, – Feature you you type here featuring Najee Harris. Yeah, now we've now we bring in another freshman. Yes, and you mentioned it earlier, and we'll just kind of gloss over it now. The running lanes are starting to open up a little bit because now Georgia has to worry about Tua's arm. They've got they've right. got to the start. There. They've got to start respecting Tua's arm. Instead of the outside linebackers arm. sitting at the line, they're actually back a little bit. You know, hoping that you know, giving a little cushion for the slot receivers in the outside, um, which means that Najee Harris and all six foot two pounds of his 4-4 four, four blistering speed can hit that edge yes. and make something happen now. Yes. Uh, it's 4th and 4. And let me go back. 2007, Saban's first year, Alabama played Arkansas in a game where Darren McFadden got a concussion uh, on a hit on the sidelines. Alabama was down by 14 or 10, I think, entering the 4th quarter. They won on a John Parker Wilson-led uh, one-minute drill drive, scoring with four seconds left on a touchdown pass to Matt Cadell in the back of the end zone. I was with my father, my brother, and my mom. Uh, 
And during that game, my dad told me, this is why Saban's great. Because Alabama was down by 10, and he kicked a field goal. Or, sorry, he was, I think we were down by uh, 7 at the time, and he kicked a field goal. And then we came back down the field and scored and won by 3. And he said he got the points when he knew he could get the points. And that's why he's great. Because Shula wouldn't have done that. So I think back to that. Flash forward now. It's fourth and four, and I'm like, Saban's probably going to kick the field goal. Right. They call a timeout, and the TV goes to commercial. Yes. So every Alabama fan in the country now is having the conversation, oh, what do we do here? Yes. Right? And there's about – there's there's really not a ton of time left. It's about four, three and a half, four minutes. So you got to figure, all right, you – Kick the field goal, you get the point, you're down four. Realistically, Georgia's going to try to run it three times. We can maybe give up one or two touchdowns, but even if we do that, we're probably getting the ball back with a minute, minute and a half, needing a touchdown. Right. Uh, Saban, and I guess in this, and, and then... It's... It, no, I'm... What my argument was, we had to... This is the championship. Yes, this that's exactly what I was about to say. This is the else. national championship. There's no turning back. We need to back. even this up as quick as possible. Yes. Either way, in this game, we need a touchdown. Yes. So either way, we're taking two shots at a touchdown. I care more about tying it right now than potentially winning it 25 minutes from now. Yeah. No, I agree. I get it. Uh, <laughs> plays called. Tua starts to roll out, and I think, well, there it goes. There goes the neighborhood. I don't think there's any way, because I'm so used to Jalen Hurts rolling out, and other than that one play in the Clemson game, it doesn't work. Well, Tua hurls it in Najee Harris's direction. Somebody's direction. He was... I think he just saw a massive well, no, bodies. I, I think it was Najee, because Najee's coming over from that left side of the end zone, the back left corner of the end zone. He's coming in towards the he middle. He was tackled, by the way. Yes, it, w- it should have been a pass interference. Whether or not it would have been, I don't know. But it should have been a pass interference. Hurls it towards Najee. Luckily, there is an NFL-caliber receiver who sees this process happening and says, no, no, let me get this. Dives in and catches the ball. And I don't know what sort of effect that had on the camera or the angle or whatever it was. I thought it was an incomplete pass. I thought it bounced off someone's chest and fell to the turf. Uh, And I just started screaming what just happened over and over again. Because our players are celebrating, our bench is celebrating, the ESPN graphics lighting up saying it's tied. Or, I guess, Alabama's down one at that point. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. Until I saw the replay, I couldn't believe it. And it, it was explained to me that Calvin Ridley, I, I want to say it, he bailed him out. Calvin Ridley bailed out to a Tango Viola. Or Viloa. Excuse me. That's going to take me forever. I, <laughs> that name, man. My word, that name. Uh, we'll get there. Luckily, we don't have to hear Vern Lundquist uh, stumble over it for the next two years. Oh, man. But, God. Oh, the real we could make of that. Anyway, steps in, makes the catch. Alabama's got to kick the extra point. I'm nervous as all get out uh, for Andy Pabinastas to kick an extra point. It was the most nervous I've been for an extra point probably as an Alabama fan in my entire life. Well, you got to be. You got to be because you know what this man's capable of. He's capable of great things. And when I say great things, I mean terrible things. And But, no, he makes it. Uh, we're tied. We are tied with, uh, like I said, Three-ish, three-ish minutes left in this game. Three thirty, three forty, something like that. Georgia's, but Georgia. What I was nervous about in the moment was, you know, Georgia's still got a, a very good offense, and yeah, they haven't been doing much this half other than the eighty-yard touchdown. But they've got three minutes where they can go win this bad boy. Yeah. However. However. Georgia decides 
to go mega conservative like they were up by eight touchdowns. Yep, two runs. Uh, I want to say one of which was out of the wild dog. And then on third down, you can tell the jitters were with Jake Fromm, and he badly, badly overthrows Swift um, on what should have. He might not have gotten the first down. He's a quick dude. He might have barely gotten there. We'll never know because he threw it about six feet over his head. And George is punting and only took about a minute off the clock. Right. Alabama gets the ball back. Najee Harris and Tua lead the team down the field. Najee takes his tree trunks that he has instead of um, thighs. Right. He takes those big old tree trunks and he shreds Georgia for about 30 yards. Tua is now uh, getting down the field with the help of a, a pass interference on Calvin Ridley was part of this drive. Um, we hit Cam Sims. Um, we're moving the ball real well. And then it becomes obvious, all right, still this dude's a freshman. Game's on the line. He's a little trigger happy right now. Uh, he has a lot of faith in his arm. Let's put the let's let's put the game on the golden foot sure. of our senior kicker that's been so reliable. Fourteen of fifteen. He's only missed one. Yeah, he's, he's only, only missed, missed one. one. Year. There's no way one. he misses. Now I want to point something out too. Tua does not take the last snap of regulation. No, he doesn't. Here's why. He has no experience taking snaps from under center. Or maybe not no experience, but he's got a lot less than Jalen. Jalen trots back out, runs to the left side of the field to kind of get it in the middle, you know, where a normal kicker would want to kick it. Had he left it on that hash, honestly, that might have gone in. That might have ended the game. Do, do, you think, do you think that Papanasso's changes? Because it seemed like it was on purpose they were putting it on the right hash because he was afraid he would pull it like he did in the first quarter, which, spoiler alert, that's what he did. Do you think he changed his mind and went, nah, let's center it up? Because we looked pretty set up with six seconds to go where it seemed like he wanted it. I don't think he changed. I don't. I wouldn't say he changed his mind, honestly. I, I think, man, I don't know. Honestly, I'm tired of trying to figure out what that kid's doing because I don't even think he knows anymore. The kick is, it, it hits a nacho stand vendor 14 rows off. Oh, it missed the net, baby. It missed the net. It was, it was an air ball. If this was basketball, that was an air ball. Yes, and everyone in my apartment is screaming and yelling, and I'm just sitting there because I knew it was going to happen. And the thing is, we were. Uh, Lane looks over at me before the kick, and I ha- actually hadn't watched the last two field goals. I just went, I'm not watching, and they both won it. So maybe this is my fault, but she says, do we watch? And I said, well, this is for the national championship. Uh, so on the off chance, I said the off chance. On the off chance that he makes it, I'd like to be watching. I remember when the snap came, like snap kick in that one second in history, I'm thinking, this is it. I felt I felt this like, I don't know, I, I, this confidence in him, right? This this optimism that it was going to go in, and then it left his foot. As soon as I heard it, I knew it wasn't good. I I just and everyone in my apartment had been saying he's gonna make dude it's thirty six yards there's no way look Patrick they they kept saying that Patrick he's only missed one look at the graphic he's fourteen that's of what we've 15. been saying all year and no matter how much we complain about his missed long field goals we kept going he's been reliable on the short ones he's hitting he's the ones the, that he's supposed to hit you know at his best he's a he's a pretty good kicker it it doesn't matter anymore because he's not part of Alabama's team. And quite frankly, his his life was uh, saved by a Hawaiian uh, about 20 minutes later. Yes, probably. Uh, so, we go to overtime. 
And unlike Alabama, Georgia has a kicker that could hit from anywhere, as we've already said. And he does after Terrell Lewis sacks Jake Fromm. With the money sign. Gives him a money sign. Tim me to the NFL. Give me paid, please. I would like to make my wages. <laughs> he drills a 51-yarder, and it's 23-20. And I say, all right, all we need is six, and Najee and Tua just let us down the field. I was feeling – I didn't care. Like, I know the nation was celebrating that Georgia just made a 51-yarder, but in my brain I'm going, they ain't keeping us out of the end zone no. right now. No. They are not doing it. But the next snap for Alabama quickly washed away our enthusiasm. Yes. Tua takes Tua, another Tua. freshman mistake, takes a horrible sack. I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts doesn't take that sack. No, he doesn't. And, and he was trying to throw a screen, and he tried to get it to Harris. Harris was not that Georgia read it perfectly. They knew we were going to – because they knew the, – the, the play calling from both sides was – we, Georgia knew we were going for the end zone because now we've lost all faith in our kicker who just had his life shattered and is afraid for his life now, right? This man is afraid and fearful for his life. So Georgia knows we're going end zone. They go, we got to get a sack or we got to get a turnover and walk off this field. And so they're coming at the freshman. Sure. And, and then they, pl- but they play this. And so we know that and we go, all right, fine. We're going we're gonna to combat that. With the screen, how do you combat a blitz? You to go screen. Sure. But Georgia went, but we're gonna spy a running back. So they spied our running back while blitzing, and our quarterback just goes, "All right, I'm Johnny Manziel for three seconds. I got this." <laughs> and uh, I got this. Nope. He did it with the it confidence up, of like a guy a, uh, who thinks he can leave the bar by himself after he's had <laughs> just eight too many, and just falls down the stairs and crushes his two front teeth out. Like, I mean, he was like, yeah, but, I'll run around. I got this. This is all me. But it, it, set up, it set up a down and distance, a second and 26, that will never be forgotten because at that moment, a legend was made. Yeah. And a new Daniel, Daniel Moore painting was born. Yes. Uh, he's got two to work on now. He's got thick six in this. You heard it at the top of the broadcast, or top of the broadcast, my word, top of the podcast, uh, the call from Chris Fowler, who, by the way, side note, if you complained about his efforts – you should know he did have 104 fever and had the flu. Uh, he had severe chills, body aches, and a fever. Um, so just give him a little bit of a break. Now, his touchdown call wasn't great. But how can you expect that play to happen? And it happened so fast. So fast. The ball was out of to his hand and in Devontae Smith's, and everyone was jumping up and down and screaming. I didn't. I was... <laughs> I was in shock, waiting for a flag. and I was waiting, waiting for the graphic. I was like, I have been an Alabama fan for too long to know that, A, we don't make deep passes, and B, we definitely <laughs> don't make them when we need to make them. So something oh had to have goodness. gone wrong. Leatherwood had to have held, or, you know, for some reason, Devontae Smith was an ineligible receiver, or, you know, Tua flicked something. off the ref right before he threw it. Something happened. Right. Saban, for some reason, called a timeout. Sure. I just knew the play happened too quickly. Too, just just boom, boom. There was no penalty. I, I immediately stood up. I, I sat the whole game, which is rare for me, other than when I had to leave the restaurant because I was worried and nervous and wanted to go call you or wanted to scream at somebody. Um, every snap of the game, I was sitting. And, and uh, you know me. You, you watched the 2015 National Championship with me. I get up. I walk around. Sure. I move around the whole house. My my Fitbit's going. What's up, dude? It's <laughs> uh, great. This is this is very unlike you. So um, get your steps up, bro. I stand up. 
I let out this mighty bellow, if you want to call it that. Uh, things go tingly because I stood up too quickly and yelled too hard. Yeah. I recover, and then I go hug every person wearing crimson. Yes. And high fives around, and you know, got the wife in the arms, and we're uh, it's pretty pretty magical. I I yell. Probably the most romantic moment of my life. I ran. You've been engaged, and had a wedding. Uh, I, I ran back most romantic moment of my life to my guest bedroom because I've got I I'm doing pretty well for myself, Brick. I've got a two bedroom apartment. All right, I don't want to brag, yeah, you do. but I yeah, you do. Come on now, come on. What floor are you on? It's the second. I'm almost at the penthouse of this three story building. You're you're in the you're in the sandwich floor, baby. I am. I am nice you're and moving on up in the world. Nice and snugs in here. No bugs getting in the bottom. But I've got that I'm nice not security say a boy's blanket jealous, at the top. But a boy's jealous. Look. So I go back to that room, and I yell, Jade, honey, get a chair, which she's very confused about. What she didn't know was I needed to get my flag, and I didn't think I was tall enough. But out of pure adrenaline, I just jumped and clipped the nail out that it's hung up with. I just flipped it out. Uh, Okay. Got that, got the other end of the flag, and just left my apartment. And I'm screaming, hollering. My neighbors are like, what's wrong? And I was like, Alabama just won. And somebody upstairs went, oh, my God, of course, and just slammed their door. So I well, guess. They're probably Tar Heel fans. I, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was my reaction. Come back in. And my first thought after that is I need to call my dad. That's, that's the first thing that hits my head. Call dad. <laughs> uh, but I didn't want to call him too early because I remember when my brother was in college. We would win big games like that. He would call as soon as the final whistle blew, and my dad would be watching the post-game interviews and would get furious. He'd be like, "Ugh!" Yeah, because you got to see that. He's like, "You got to see what Saban says. You got to see what." Sure. Says. He's like, "Your brother would call right now." And for whatever reason, you got to see what Jalen says. Awful decision by that producer, by the way. I'm not going to get into that, but because it's not shocking that ESPN's bad anymore, but that's a horrible decision. So reporters did a good job, though, kind of keeping it from being too bad. Sure. But yeah, whoever, whoever said you have to go find Jalen right now was like. Okay, man. All right, but you're a jerk. Uh, so, call dad. We celebrate. He giggled. I giggled. I mean, we. I don't think either of us can believe that it just happened. Um, you know, uh, my brother was at the game. I talked to him a little bit later. Uh, he probably won't want me what, mentioning this, but I don't care. He cried. He was like, I just was. I had so many emotions, and then I saw Saban tear up, and he was smiling. He's like, I didn't know what else to do. I just cried. Oh, it, it's there's no there's no uh, embarrassment. There, no, man. I I I got I got. I, there, I always get teary eyed. I always get teary eyed because it's it's. It, 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 how I'm going to end the podcast is kind of how I feel about it, but, um, you know, it was uh, it, it was miraculous. I mean, I, I told was. you at halftime when we talked on the phone, it is going to take a miracle for Alabama to win this national championship, and that's about as miraculous as it gets. And then you do two things. Right after we, we left our restaurant, and you were part of this two years ago for what we'll yes. do. Yes, yep, um, it's as is tradition. Car, roll down the window. Absolutely. Blast some Queen, mm-hmm. and then blast the Kanye song you heard at the top of the of the podcast. Top of the podcast. Yes, I did. We are the champions. I backed it up and brought it back to the crew. Yep, and then champion by Kanye West, and then don't stop me by now by Queen. Oh, we left that one out. We 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 went um um. We went with some other uh, new additions this year. And then we went, you and I went, uh, this is our playlist in 2015. It was Queen, We Are the Champions, Kanye, Champion, uh, Queen, Don't Stop Me Now, and then Drake's Big Rings. 
See, actually, we went because I typed in "We Are," and actually did "Champion" first. And I typed in "We Are" and did "We Are the Champions." And the next song to play once it was over was "We Are Family." And Landon and I looked at each other, and went, "Yeah, I'll allow it." Sure. How can you not? Uh, getting, you, you don't getting, turn that song off. We're getting we're getting way too off topic. Alabama just won a national championship. We talked about our initial feeling after the game, but now we got to do what we do on this podcast for the second time now, by the way. Take a step back, and each team that wins a title, we try to give it a feeling, right? So 2009 was the first one, just the first. It just kind of felt like, and Nick Saban said it, this is not the end, this is the beginning. That's the moniker, that's the feeling with that one. The next two were more... Everybody's switching to a spread offense, fast-paced offense. We're going to punch you in the mouth because we're better than you. That was the next two. That, that was just juggernaut Alabama, yes. right? The, peak. the next one, 2015, was honestly just – that was the dead and buried. You know, yeah. you had us buried and gone, right? We were the Nick Saban problem championship team. That was the team that that really just was the – kind of overcame – Doubters, right? Haters, doubters, however you want to put it. Right. This one, in my opinion, was the adversity championship. And I know people will groan if you've gotten this far into the podcast and go, oh my gosh, I cannot believe you just said Alabama faced adversity. But they did, right? Look at the numbers. Look at look at just what, okay, we lose. Look at the injuries. Linebackers, game one. We lose three more linebackers before November, and none of them play the first two games in November. Um, we lose to Auburn. That's not necessarily adversity, but we overcame that kind of lot. Didn't play in the championship game. People said we didn't belong. Um, leading up to the game, we lost another linebacker in Mac Wilson. Or sorry, uh, not Dylan Moses, not Mac Wilson. He played. Um, in the game, we lose our starting left tackle, our best offensive line, early in the second half. Uh, we got, and, and this is actually something you brought up, was that Colin Cowherd piece where he was mentioning everything. That went. We got players fainting yes. on the sidelines, he said- getting in fights with coaches, Two missed field goals, one to end regulation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Colin Coward said Nick Saban cemented himself as the greatest in this kind of transitions into the next conversation. Because I agree with you. I think adversity is the way to go there. And I think uh, it, everyone else in college football is going, oh, my God, still? They're still around? Like, we thought they were done. Again, like, we, 15, yeah, we had them pegged as dead because they had an Elvis impersonator at quarterback. And they lost at home to Ole Miss. But and let's not forget, we haven't even mentioned this, there's redemption here too. Most of these players were on the field last year when Deshaun Watson threw an, a touchdown with one second left on the clock to, to beat what might have been the greatest team that Nick Saban's ever assembled. Right. This is not the best team that Nick Saban's ever assembled. Not even this close. one is either slightly better or right there with the twenty fourteen team that lost to Ole Miss that had a lot of that team had a lot of problems on defense. Great offense that year. Right. Lost to uh, Ohio State in the playoffs was pretty terrible and we couldn't stop the run in the playoffs. This team, talent wise in my opinion, was about right there, which if you're asking me, maybe the second worst one we fielded since two thousand nine. Yeah. Which is saying a lot because all of them have been very good and championship worthy and championship contenders. Don't get me wrong. But this is not his most talented team. This doesn't have the most NFL superstars on the team. This was as much as of a rebuilding team as Alabama gets. This in 2014. Yes. And this team won a title. They did. They did. And everyone now is going, oh, gosh. We've got Alabama's leading passer, receiver, and rusher were all true freshmen. All true freshmen. 
Now they're going to have a little bit more turmoil as we're going to get into uh, than most teams do after returning from a national championship, but we'll get there. Right now, I, I kind of want to go back. I, I mentioned it, and I was talking about it um, before we got sidetracked a little bit. Colin Coward said Nick Saban, and a lot of people said this, cemented himself as the greatest college football coach ever after this game because he said three uh, coaches, great football coaches do three things. They uh, recruit, uh, they plan, and they adapt. And he said that third one is where you separate good coaches from great coaches. Because that third one, not a lot of guys do. You look at Urban, you look at Urban Meyer, and I'm, I'm quoting someone who is an Ohio State fan who told me this. There were multiple times, not only this season, but the past two seasons, Urban Meyer should have benched JT Barrett for another guy. That's plain and simple. That's how it is. JT Barrett was not getting the job done. Nick Saban made that move in the national championship. He adapted. He has won as many national championships as Bear Bryant in an era where you get 85 scholarship athletes. That's it. You get 85. Now, Bear Bryant had a lot of different things that he had to go through, too. Nick Saban's not getting on a train and riding on a train for a day and a half down to Texas and then learning that the kid's already committed somewhere else only to get back on the train and go back to Tuscaloosa, right? Things like that aren't happening. Saban's allowed to contact his players in other means of communication instead of payphone calls and letters, right? It's, it's a completely different ball game, but, you know, if we're talking about initial reactions after the game, after call my dad and call my brother and hug my friends who were here and run around my apartment complex like an idiot, I, I was sitting uh, celebrating the game, and I thought, you know what, that's, that's it, uh, you know. I love old school Alabama. I love Bear Bryant. I can no longer say he's the greatest coach in Alabama history because we, we've got that guy right now. It's Nick right Saban. Now. It's Nick Saban. Man, we're lucky. We are. Man, we're lucky. We're lucky ducks. We are. Um, so where does Alabama go from here? Let's talk about future um, as we kind of get in the waning moments of this one. Um, Let's get the news that just came out. Seriously, five minutes before we started five recording. Five minutes before we started recording. I'm telling, like you were in the middle of telling me another story. I said, "Shut up!" I said, "I gotta, I gotta interrupt you." I had no idea what you're in the middle of saying anymore. But and I go, um, "Brian Dayball is going to the Buffalo Bills to be offensive coordinator." And this is true. And you've probably now that this is uploaded uh, tomorrow, the fifteenth, you've heard this by now. But this is brand new, fresh news to us as we sit here recording it. And honestly. I didn't know if it was going to happen. It's been rumored for a while. We knew when Dayball came that he wanted to be an NFL head coach. He was tight ends coach at New England, so the next step is to go be a coordinator somewhere. Um, didn't happen in the NFL quite yet for him, but that was the next logical step. So he went to the best secondary place, which would be offensive coordinator at Alabama, won a title, looked amazing in the second half. Teams looked at him and said, oh, my goodness, this is what he looks like when he has a quarterback that can throw. This looks like a, like a guy that just spent 10 years with an organization that had Tom Brady. So the Bills, uh, they, they hopped on it. Uh, they want him to coach Tyrod Taylor. And now Alabama is looking for their fourth offensive coordinator in the last 14 months. This will be the third offensive coordinator that both Tua and Jalen have had since they stepped on campus. 
I'm going to be honest, and I, I don't I don't think this will come as a shock to you or anyone who listens to this podcast. I was not a big fan of Dayball in the first place. I think it's great. No, you weren't. I think it's great that he won a national championship with Alabama. I think it's great that Lane Kiffin did as well. I think it's good riddance to both of them when they leave. This is a little bit less good riddance to me uh, because one, one, Lane Kiffin just kind of – he just kind of overstayed his welcome, and it was just time for – the divorce, right? Kiffin was still coaching pretty good offense when he left. Uh, you know, you got to remember with what he had his first couple of years, he had a Heisman runner at quarterback, or not quarterback, uh, Heisman winner at running back. And then the next year he had a true freshman at quarterback that we learned has major limitations. Dayball for a lot of this year was not coaching good offense. And, and I, I will jump on as hard as you did at times. His play calling was garbage. It completely Even with what he had. He was limitations. He would probably be the worst dancer at a wedding because he has no rhythm. He has no sense <laughs> of rhythm. No, he has he has no rhythm. But we saw an inkling of what I think he wanted the offense to be. Now I'm not gonna let's not dissect how much we hated Dayball too much. I want to say that this is my initial reaction. I think that in my mind, this cements that Tua Tungavailoa is our starter next year because there's not going to be an offensive coordinator in this country mm. that's going to take this job and say, I'm fine starter. Everybody's going to say, I want a slice of that cake. I want a slice of what I saw in the national championship. That's what I want, right? We have three of eight for 21 yards and a half, and we have 14 to 24, 166 yards and three touchdowns while leading a second-half comeback against the number three defense in the country in the national title game at a quasi-road game. That's what the offensive coordinator that comes here next is going to say. And Saban's going to hire someone good, right, because we know he will. Kiffin was good. Dayball was slightly not as good, but better than Doug Musmeyer, right? So, yeah, you know, Doug Musmeyer won a national championship at Alabama, so let's not forget that. Uh, and he was the worst offensive coordinator in college football this year for the Gators. So are we so, saying the best OC in Saban's dynasty has been Jim McElwain? I still think it's Kiffin. That's gross. Three, th- th- well, three playoff appearances. Uh, he had a quarterback that broke records. He had a running back that broke records and won a Heisman. And he won a national championship with Jake Coker. For all his bad moments, he actually had... And we've we've exhausted this talk to death. He actually had probably more good moments. It was just so one. It was Lane Kiffin, and he used to coach at Tennessee, which made it bad. Um, but for everything he did, he, he, you know, and then he helped us move into this kind of modern era of offense that Nick Saban wanted. And I'm not going to question why he wanted it. He's Nick Saban. Who am I to question him? So, Dayball's gone. And he recruited. So what do, what, 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 what do you think with that? Uh, and he recruited Tua. I feel bad for Tua. I feel bad for Jalen Hurts. I, I, you know, for multiple reasons, I feel bad for Jalen Hurts. This just kind of adds to the list. Um, you know, he's he's going to be the only quarterback to lose two games in his career, throw one interception in an entire season, win offensive MVP for his conference, get benched, and feel like the little orphaned quarterback that no one wants to coach. He's like a 15-year-old kid at a foster home at this point. But you know what that's called? That's called a dynasty problem, right? Syracuse doesn't deal with this. Um, Wake Forest doesn't deal with this. That's unheard hey of now, there. You're throwing a lot of heat at the Deeks over in Winston-Salem, <laughs> Sorry, I, I let's, forgot let's that you're, you're close to Wake Forest. Let's yeah, Wake down, Forest is, right? was, is truly prolific, you, you my bad. You I don't, should come, say... you don't come into the triad of North Carolina and start 
telling me about Piedmont. I didn't, I didn't mean to say Wake Forest. I, I meant to say Minnesota. Thank My you. bad. Thank you. Um, also, well, Minnesota. now, hold on. You don't go after P.J. Fleck like that, Brick. You don't. You just don't do it. I didn't mean to say I meant to say Rice. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> They're 1-10 record. They don't deal with this, right? But only at a place like this right. do you essentially end the career of a Drew Bledsoe because you discovered you have a Tom Brady. Mm. Right? Mm. Only at a place like this. <laughs> relating, to, relating to it to the greatest quarterback to ever play in the NFL. It's pretty similar. It's not, it's, you know, I'm not saying to is Tom Brady. Don't, you know, I love that the guy. Si- you're saying the situation is similar. The situation is similar. I agree. Right? I agree with it that. Only, only, here, only here does that exist because there's a standard. And if you can have somebody that just, you know, so yes, it stinks for it stinks for both quarterbacks, and 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 we're going to talk a lot about Hurts this off season, and and especially in the spring when the when the quote unquote competition's going, because this is what Saban has to do. As I'm kind of getting off track on Dayball, but now we're talking quarterbacks. This is what Saban has to do. He has to say, "This is an open competition. We haven't decided anything," and he's probably right in his own mind. But I think he knows probably who's starting next year, right? I think he knows who's better. I think he knows who's won over the fan base and the team. But he has to say this is an open competition because let's face it, we do have two very good quarterbacks on our team. They both have different skill sets. One's probably a little, lim- a good bit more limited in the position, but either way, we have two quarterbacks that other teams would kill to have. He has to try to keep both on campus for as long as possible. How do both quarterbacks get better this spring? It's a competition. They're competing. If he just says no, two is the starter. What's Jalen gonna do? You think uh, he probably would still work his butt off? But how do you guarantee it? You say he's. You still got a chance, man. You just started 27 games with this team. You think I'm just gonna say you're never playing again? No, go go prove me wrong. And then in the spring, he'll need to sit down and say to Jalen, "What do you want to do?" And then they'll go from there. Yeah. Because we all know two is gonna win, and I think that Dayball leaving pretty much cements that. Yeah. No, I, I think the, you, you made great points there. Um, we're not going to know much else for about probably, I'd say, four or five days, maybe even a little bit longer, and I say we talk about it more then because right. at this point. First name that pops into my mind, a very good offensive coordinator for whatever reason, whatever stupid reason that those Bayou Bengals, <laughs> I don't know what happened out there, but they just got rid of a very good offensive coordinator named Matt Canada. Hmm. He didn't have a great year at LSU, but again, he also was using Danny Etling and an, and a hobbled Darius Geis. Can I tell you something? Would... Now that I think about it, I am so upset the Bears just hired Mark Helfrich. Oh yeah. Think about think about how great that could have been. Helfrich would have been nice here. Tua Tungo Vailoa nailed it. Playing for an Oregon bred offensive coordinator. Oh, and I'm going to throw out a name that I don't even want to hear about. Because I've seen it on the internet already. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to see it. Hugh Freeze. No, no. God, no. Get it get it out of here. How about a little bit of uh, Burt Bielema action? How about how about that? No. You know no, what? No, 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 I think Cooper no. Batman's definitely... Uh, Copper Batman's definitely out of school by now, right? I think we could just go get Copper Batman in here. I think he's still at Utah, but David Cornwell's not at, at Nevada. Oh man! After he has started one game through three interception, was an, was off the team by Tuesday. Okay, we're getting way let's, off topic. Let's get okay, so Phillip we'll talk Ely coordinators. Back in here. The coordinator thing just means that we're going to have 
a podcast much sooner than we thought after this. Oh my god, Saban's going to go get Mike Shula back. <laughs> that actually would not be the worst thing. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, the dude's a good offensive coordinator. Saban's broken home or Saban's home for broken coaches never stops building. It just never stops. Okay, we're yeah, you're right. We're getting off topic. Let's go back to the game. Let's talk more about the players, things after the game. Darren Payne is a freak. I was listening to our good friends over at uh, at SB Nation, EDSBS, his podcast, The Shutdown Fullcast. Great listen if you can't get enough college football. He and his friends said that Alabama is one of those schools, and it's one of those programs that reminds them, like the defensive line reminds them of the old school video games where you like beat a boss, and it's like this 6'3", you know, 300-pound defensive lineman at Alabama. And then... Isaiah Bugs. Yes. Or uh, Raekwon Davis. And then his boss steps out, and it's just infinitely harder to beat, and you just shut the game off and throw it out the window. And that's Darren Payne. You're like, oh, that was tough. Play oh, that was just the warm-up Out boss. of his mind during the playoffs. All year, but especially during the playoffs. Um, really the, uh, paving the, the way. The... You know, we talk about the fraternity of running backs a lot. One thing we don't talk about is the defensive linemen at Alabama. That fraternity. That group of guys that come through here. I mean, go ahead and rattle them all. From Terrence Cody on. You've got Terrence Cody, Marcel Darius. Um, you could argue Courtney Upshaw directly after that, right? Um, Damian Square made a name for himself in the NFL. Now you're getting into Sean Robinson. You're getting into Jonathan Allen. Mm. And now You're getting Darren into Payne. Darren Payne. And there's more that we left out, but this is another dynasty problem because you know what? We could honestly do the same at safety. Sure. You, you can you can go uh, Mark Barron over to HaHa Clinton Dix over to Landon Collins over to Eddie Jackson over to Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, you just skipped over Cyrus Jones, the greatest player in Alabama football history. I said I said I said safety. Okay. Well, he played. Did he? Uh, I guess he didn't play safety, did he? He was a pure corner. Yeah. He was as pure as they come there. Yeah, he was. God, I miss that boy. Uh, Alabama's got all freshman wide receivers. We have got Devonte Smith, who, by the way, if you think. Man, you know, I know he caught passes this year, but I don't remember when they were. Well, let me tell you. The Vanderbilt game, Tua flips around, does a 360 like it's on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 and whips a touchdown in the end zone to Devontae Smith. Alabama is trailing against Mississippi State when Jalen Hurts finds a freshman down the middle of the field, runs over to the sideline, gets in the end zone. That freshman's name is Devontae Smith. And obviously, on Monday, Tua drops back to pass, throws the ball 108 miles an hour, to Devontae Smith. Oh, Devontae Smith. There Sorry, you were waiting yeah, for me. Yeah, I was. But uh, Devonta, okay. No, Devontae Smith made our two biggest plays of the year. Yeah. The one that won us the Mississippi State game and the one that won us the national championship. Yep. And uh, I think he's bound for greatness next year. And you also got Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. Yeah. Um, Najee Harris was on the field. And the interesting part about this is when you think about it, man, why did they have all freshmen on the field? Don't they have guys like Robert Foster and David Harris? Playing with. That's who two is played with. Najee Harris and Tua room together. Every Instagram story and Snapchat that Tua or Najee put up are with each other. Yes. There's the comfort there, right? And now they have a bond coming down double digits in the second half that will never be broken. This team is bound for greatness, y'all. And it's just – listen, this team – Alabama has more potential right now as a team than they maybe ever have, Right? The closest I can think of is when we were going from uh, 2012 to 2013 mm-hmm. and bringing back a senior AJ McCarron. Yes, and a lot of a lot of those defensive guys were coming back. There's going to be a lot of attrition in our secondary. Every single defensive back starter, including both corners and safeties, is gone. It's going to be four brand new, um, 
faces back there uh, because, uh, you know, Ronnie Harrison has announced he's leaving. Mika Fitzpatrick has announced he's leaving. Um, Darren Payne, by the way, has announced he's leaving. But the secondary specifically, uh, Anthony Averett was a senior, uh, Tony Brown senior. Ronnie Harrison um, leaving. And so that's going to be a completely different – we'll have to see who steps up. We're going to have a lot of young people back there. But offensive side of the ball, defensive line and linebackers. I mean, look, pull out your crimson-colored aviators or Ray-Bans because the future's bright. Future's bright. I'm I'm pulling them out, baby. I'm pulling them out. Uh, Um, Some other games. Minka missed the last play. Can we talk about that? (laughs) Yes. Can I tell you why he missed the last play? I would love for you to. He confirmed on Feinbaum a couple days after the national championship that he missed the last play because he was pooping. Sure. He was taking a he was taking a fat one in Atlanta, and it was because, you know, how we kicked the field goal, which, again, seemed like unlikely we were going to. We were probably just gunning for the end. But had we made a field goal, Alabama was going to go back on offense, and then he was going to have to come back out on defense no matter what. So he had to get it out. He had no choice. Didn't have a choice. And I, he didn't have a choice. So he <laughs> – imagine sitting on the toilet. Um, obviously, he doesn't have a cell phone with him. He doesn't know what's happening. He's just trying to push this bad boy out, wipe, and get back out there as quick as possible so he doesn't miss anything, and then just hearing the entire stadium erupt. And he knows that it's one of two things, a touchdown or a turnover. Yeah. Yep. And it's, he said he saw Alabama's section go crazy, and he lost his mind. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. His grandkids are going to ask him one day where he was. Like, what do you remember from that game? And he's going to be like, oh, well, you know, I was really hurt. Everything was hurting really bad, so I went to the Port of John, and I uh, came out, and we had won a national championship. So there you go. Who wants a cookie? Uh, let's talk about Georgia before we get into Alabama's sort of post-game interactions. So I've got a good transition in the episode from there. Georgia, man, where do you go if you're Georgia? I mean, you've got Jake Fromm as a true freshman, yeah, but you lose Sony Michelle, right? You lose. They lose Michelle. They lose Chubb. Chubb. They're losing Rock Rock the 31 seniors on this team. That's a lot of. Not to mention a lot of the juniors, uh, Trent Thompson being one of them, that are going to. The, they're losing a lot. Losing a lot players. of pieces. But this is – I'm not hitting the panic button on this, Georgia, for no, multiple reasons. not at one, all. Uh, they got the quarterback figured out. That's going to be from. Uh, they got another one coming in that I think is up there with the – and, I, you know, I love recruiting. Um, there are two quarterbacks this year, the one Trevor Lawrence that Clemson's getting and Justin Fields that's committed to Georgia. Those are two guys that I put in there with – you know how in love I was with Deshaun Watson before he became a household name. Up there with him – Jameis Winston, um, Tua Tungavailoa, I think, is part of that class. These are he's, They're getting another elite quarterback. Right. They're recruiting like wildfire. Um, and their schedule is even softer this year than it was last year. And they're playing in a very, very weak SEC East uh, that features all kinds of new first-year head coaches. Yep. Yeah. I think they're going to be back in Atlanta facing us. I, I do, too. I do, too. I think too. it could be Tua versus from in Atlanta like four years in a row. And, you know, I think Kirby Smart's a great coach. He's, he's proven himself. He's proven himself. He's gotten to this level. So I, I think he's a great, he's a great coach. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what Georgia can do. Now, post-game, a lot of things to go over here. You've got Robert Foster's kid down on the field wearing his jersey looking like he just wants to go home because he's tired. I'm tired. Can we go? Is what he kept saying. <laughs> it's the cutest yeah. thing in the world. Uh, the Ridley brothers trade jerseys. Uh, you know, which is awesome to see, you know, because even for a minute, you know Riley Ridley had to be hurting. Had to be. Yeah. You played out of your mind, and you guys lost. 
And it sucks, but that's football. But Big Bro got it, and I've got his uniform. And Calvin Ridley can turn around and say, you know what? Probably the biggest game of my career, I played the second. I was the second best Ridley, but I've got my brother's jersey. You know, and that's a cool thing. As as a brother, and I'm sure you're a brother too. That's a really cool thing to see. Yeah, my brother goes. He went to Auburn. Yeah. So I definitely get going to a rival. Sure. And still having to. Uh, Bradley Bozeman proposes. I'm not a big fan of proposals after games like this. I, I think it's selfish. I think it takes away from the team. And I get you and I have talked about this many times. So we're not going to yeah, get into I, it. I 100% I disagree with you. I know you do. But I just, I think, and that's, that's a very special moment between you and that person. Whenever someone is unfortunate enough to say yes to me, that is going to stay between me and that person for the rest of our lives. Other and than I may fine, have someone take like a picture, but that's it. I, I, that's I just want it to be, sure, sure. But I just wouldn't, I don't know. I would feel awkward like I'm taking you away from the team. I would love nothing more than to watch us win a walk-off touchdown in the national championship, celebrating with all my people, and one of the top three happiest moments I'm going to have in my life. Turning to my left and seeing one of my best friends, my teammates, my brothers in arms, having another one of the best moments he's going to have in his life. Pile it on on, baby. Show me the love. I hate We're it. champions. Do you. The last, I love it. The, I, would, I would be putting on the hat, holding the, holding the, the, the newspaper I'd be hooting and hollering and, and passing around the trophy. I look to my left, and the dude that's been snapping the ball all year, he's proposing to his girl. Hell yeah, man, do you? Woo! Going to a wedding, too, baby. <laughs> Show me the love. I hate it. I hate it. But I, look, whatever. Good for him. The last thing is, and you and I sent this to each other, and just it was kind of uh, sobering a little bit, very touching. Terrell Lewis sees Anthony Jennings rolling up in a wheelchair and just immediately starts crying. Just cries. Yeah, I, I got you. I told you I got you. I got you. And they just huge high five, big hug. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. The tweet that we saw it in, uh, I forget who it was. It was some coach, and he said, when you win a championship, you guys are blood brothers for life. That it's a bond that can't be broken. And that was, that was what happened there. Uh so to sort of, if you'll let me, to sort of end the podcast, um, I read a tweet from, again, uh, EDSBS and SB Nation. He tweeted this right after um, the game was over, right? Um, he was in Atlanta. He goes home and, you know, tweets out something like, it's always fun to watch college football with you guys. Thanks for sticking with me this season. Um, and he said this. It is a joy because of the players who deserve so much more than they get and will hopefully one day get their due. Because you only get to watch them so long before they go and become something more adult, hardened, cynical. Something more like you probably are as an adult. And by seeing that for, a, for just a little bit, you can get something really joyous sometimes. And that's a lot of the reason that I can still watch college football. That's beautiful, man. And it's, that's kind of how I want to end the episode today. Alabama wins its 17th national championship, and a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds have brought Brick, you and I, so much joy in doing an episode. I don't think we've ever been this excited about an episode. Um, nope, you're right about that. They, they can be the reason that I run around my apartment complex at 1 in the morning draped in an Alabama flag uh, with no shoes on. It's the reason it can make my brother, who is sometimes a cyborg and emotionless, cry. Um, you know, it's it's a bond, and it's something that can bring people together. And I, I already can't wait for next August. Let's get it going again. Um, 
obviously spring game in just four months obviously brick and i you know off season episodes will start here in a bit we may take a couple weeks off we may even take a month off we don't know yet we will we'll be probably come at you we will probably come at you with a discussion sure. over our offensive coordinator that'll be a shorter episode. shorter episode but... absolutely and we'll, we'll talk about guys going to the nfl some other things like that too yeah normal uh, protocol for the off season yes uh, probably every other week maybe maybe two times a month uh, it just sort of depends we kick back up during spring practice um but we, when we come back, we've got a whole rebranding thing, right? We've got the oh, soundboards right. coming towards us. We're going we're gonna to fire up a new intro. We're going to make that intro fresh so you guys don't have to listen to a new hip-hop song every time. I mean, we're really going to get on the grind. We're going to a place to listen to the podcast. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it yet. Yeah, I love but it. it's a big one. I love it. Um, I hope. Everyone, thank you so much for listening this entire season. Brick and I know that it hasn't always been regular. It hasn't always been something that you guys have said, oh, well, here they are this week, and, you know, it's going to be on a Tuesday. It's going to be on a Monday. Sometimes we didn't do an episode. Sometimes we did two in a week. Sometimes we did one in a week. It just sort of depended. Thank you so much for standing by and listening with us. We really, really appreciate it. Our schedules are just so crazy. It's hard to do these at midnight. Brick and I got a, a lucky Sunday that we could do it this week, and we decided to jump on it, have a little bit more energy. I hope you could tell. Um, you know, and we're not doing it at uh, one in the morning yeah, anymore. No, I I love it. I, I love it. Um, Brick, I can't thank you enough for all of this. Um, this this podcast, Alabama has gone to three national championships and won two of them since yeah, we started you, doing buddy. this podcast. Thank you, buddy. You know? By the way, guess what? What? We're national champions. National champs. Can't wait to come back and do it again next season. For Patrick Brickman, I am Patrick Norwood, and Brick, one last time this season, buddy. On three. Count us down. One, two, three. Roll time. Fly, my style is. I don't see why I need a stylist when I shot so much I can speak Italian. I don't know, I just want it better for my kids. And I ain't saying we was from the projects, but every time I want to lay.